0: Chris D. today from the Cult Film Companion podcast, which has uh, become one of my new favorite podcasts to listen to. Um, this is Marco, of course, and with me as always is Zach. Hello. I'm a huge, huge fan of guess what you would call retro movies, um, especially, well, retro to me means the 80s, but uh, I'm. we're going to let Chris explain uh, it better because that's what he does. Um, and we're going to talk to Chris about all sorts of different things today about his life a little bit. We'll go as deep. As he lets us. And we'll also talk about uh, his podcast and his other projects. So, Chris, thanks for being on the show with us today. It's a pleasure.
1: My, uh, it's, uh, my pleasure. I, I always um, if I can do a podcast and it doesn't mean that I have to uh, do much prep work or uh, actually handle the engineering, then uh, I'm always on board. So. it's a lot of fun isn't
0: it yeah it's, it's <laughs> great too. i almost feel like I, I could i wish i could just do that just surf just surf between podcasts all the time That'd Ooh, be yeah a lot of fun. always
2: the guest star <laughs> Right, right.
0: That, always the guest star never the star <laughs>
2: <laughs> you have
0: nothing to talk about i was like so what do you do well nothing i just talk so yeah. <laughs> i
1: i i'm just yeah you you throw me a topic and i will do my best to to talk or bullshit my way through it
0: amen brother amen absolutely well, well all bullshit aside tell us about the cult film companion for those that haven't heard about it yet
1: so i um started a facebook page just channeling my love of of cult movies um and during covid i decided that uh, i i should might as well had some extra time on my hands might as well try to do a podcast and Movies seemed like the obvious choice, um, but uh, as someone that doesn't get as, as hyped or thrilled for the the latest movies that are coming to your multiplex, oh. I started looking around my my, my, uh, my collection because I am a physical media collector, and um, I was going to do just horror, but then I didn't want to be pigeonholed. By like just doing horror movies, and considering that there's so many horror movie podcasts out there, um, cult movies have such a loose definition that I can get away with doing a lot of different stuff on my show. So, um, because That's anyone that I've talked to has like a different definition of what makes a cult movie, I have my own personal thoughts on it. Um, but- What's
0: your definition of a cult movie? Because I I, now I'm curious. Yeah,
1: there's a. I don't know if I have a definition. There are a couple things that comes to mind when it comes to make it. uh, First of all, I don't think that you can ever set out to make a cult movie. I think that if you set out to make a cult movie, you're going to make something. um, But I think that a. A cult film kind of grows its reputation organically. Uh, Nine times out of ten, these are not the things that were big blockbuster movies. Um, A lot of them found their audience in home video um, back when video stores were a thing, or cable TV um, back when when HBO and Cinemax and Showtime would just show movies and not focus so much on their original programming but you feel I think,
0: that how you like how you discover a movie or a tv show also affects that you know sometimes it's late at night or you're on some you know you, you, you it's a tape you found at the back you know a forgotten shelf in a video store like we're going back in time now i know but
1: yeah well the thing with video stores is i always remember going around and looking at when and i don't want to uh drag modern movie posters through the mud but back in the day it seemed like they would they would treat cover art as art yeah. they would actually have artists doing you know people it wasn't all um done in a computer you know you're not just uh
0: it's very slapdash now you can even find i find errors all the time because i use photoshop as a hobby mm. And I know Zach's eyes are just as keen Mm -hmm. and there's so much error and sloppiness in modern movie posters. It kind of blows my mind. It's very, you know, you lack, all right. It doesn't, I don't lack, but rather it, um, it doesn't uh, deserve the same respect. If that's fair.
1: Now, because you've got people that actually you had like artists doing art with their hands and uh, you know, they would have a canvas and they would either paint or, or color or sketch and it wasn't um <clears throat> every it, it almost seemed and i'm just gonna i'll just use them because they're 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 easy to pick on in this uh, in this um in this circumstance like every mcu movie poster not everyone but i'll say 90 percent of them are a bunch of faces You got a bunch of faces Either facing directly at you Or they're looking off to the side Like a bad bouquet Yeah And and another thing that I would say That a cult movie is not something That if I was in the marketing And and this is a reason why I don't think cult movies Do very well Initially at the box office Is because they're not Easy to pigeonhole or put into a box very easily to say you know, especially when you have all these intellectual properties that already exist and are being you know, turned into, you know just trying to drag every last penny out of them Um, I think that if I had to market a cult movie, I wouldn't want that job. I wouldn't want to cut a trailer for a cult movie because Usually, there's you're going all over the place with genres. There may be twists and turns or characters you don't even want in your trailer. But if I had to cut a trailer again, I'm just going to pick on Marvel because it's easy. If I had to cut the trailer for, for Ant-Man, you throw in some, some, some quippy one-liners. The funniest lines in the movie. It shows a couple scenes of a, of a battle. You show um the villain or you show the lead up to the villain and you end it on a cliffhanger and again um another thing with a, a movie movies like that is that your audience is already built in there you already have an established audience that are going to go see these movies regardless yeah, um, it's more like
0: teasing the candy and don't you find i find like a lot of modern uh, especially modern trailers are very crescendo like they they very sort of they, they build up I, I you know, feel like they, like they can tell orchestra. the whole story of the movie. That most of too, time too. Yeah. It's Like,
2: oh, that trailer was just a synopsis. Like, I don't even need to watch the movie anymore.
0: Yeah, I hate that. I absolutely <laughs> bristle at that because it's just. I like mystery. You know, sometimes, I mean, another thing that is a quirk, it's like a quirk with me, I guess, but, you know, a teaser trailer. That makes no sense to me. Either it's a trailer for the movie (laughs) or it's the movie. (laughs) What is a teaser trailer? The teaser trailer for the trailer? I mean, I guess that's what it is.
1: I'm trying to think, and there's some examples, and the the only ones that come to mind that are just, just random examples, but there was a movie called... Toys starring Robin Williams, my favorites, and the trailer doesn't show any footage from the movie. It's like him standing in a field, yeah, and and um, it's not a very good movie. But the third Texas Chainsaw Massacre trailer is like a it's a very short mini movie about you know instead of finding the sword in the stone like um, King Arthur and Lancelot, it's you know Leatherface finding. A chainsaw in the lake. Well, that's pretty <laughs> but, cool. But it is. It's like it's, it, and that makes me want to see the movie. If you're already showing me, it, basically with the trailers. If you get a certain trailer company to cut your movie, they're going to put in the best stuff. You don't even need to like see the movie. Like, yeah. like I can't tell you the last time I watched the Fast and the Furious movie because I don't have the patience for them. But also just because I watched, the, story, I'll watch the trailer nice. for it, and I've already seen. So I see a car going off a helicopter through a through a building, and I'm like, "Well, you know, that's probably the best scene in the movie. I've already seen it. I I, yeah. I don't need to see the movie now." Um, yeah,
2: because like, hey, you're not watching that movie for the plot.
1: No, you're not. You're, you're, <laughs> and anyone that says that they are, um, yeah, ask them to explain the plot, how those movies have evolved. Because oh yeah. I, <laughs> I remember the fan. I distinctly remember the first one, and. There's no way in hell that those characters from that first movie are the same character. supposed to be the same people now that we've reached eight, nine, and ten. It's yeah, it's, right because they become
2: like superhuman level, like <laughs> dexterity and reflexes, and
0: yeah. I, yeah, I, I, you know Jason I State, the movie basically.
1: Uh, I uh, uh, well, weird. I uh, I love me some J- uh, some crazy Jason Statham movies like Crank. Oh. Crankworx is a so good movie. transporter. Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, he's got some good stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Once he gets um,
2: expendables, I'm like, ah. Eh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's
0: a movie I should have loved because, man, that is right. that is the that is that is a combination of of my youth in the 80s, right? It's like masculinity and action. Like I was all about that. Like we were talking about this before, Zach and I about how, like, when I was young, I, I liked older heroes. I didn't like, you know, some 15-year-old who has superpowers and saves the world. I want to see some gristled, you know, middle-aged guy. He's he's had enough, and he's got all this, like, you know, experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> that was very 80s, which I liked, the, the older hero, if you will.
1: So, but again, I, I would yeah. say, the, the not that it's trying to be a cult movie, but I think that The, ex, the Expendables was... You can almost tell when a movie's trying too hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like every, and I, I, I'm using this figuratively, obviously, but everyone is in those movies yeah Mm, yeah
2: no yeah but I think that that's their downfall though is that they didn't try hard enough in the sense of like writing a good enough story creating good enough like intrigue and everything they didn't have any real hook to me like it just seemed like look at all these stars now now you must watch because why wouldn't you watch this
0: you feel you totally feel like just the framing alone like the way the movie shot like and now Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) and now Van
1: Damme you know it's just like an awards show like you're looking at a
0: shelf full of trophies but, it's
1: um, it's yeah. one of those uh, style over substance, you know. Yeah, if you if
0: totally.
1: you if you um yeah I mean if you look at the cover the Expendables movie, you got Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Willis. I think Harrison Ford showed up at one point. Um,
0: oh, we did yeah, helicopter
1: pilot Jet Li. <laughs> Jet, you know, it's just like every every action star that you could. It, that's uh, I'm, I Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm almost surprised, although I'm not really surprised, that Seagal hasn't showed up in one of those movies. I'm, I'm, I'm upset yeah. I'm, because he is
0: such an awkward human being, and and, and it, it just portrays so well in the, even in his own films, like the people, like the B-listers that he works with, right? Mm-hmm. You can tell just on the way they're acting that they're struggling with that motherfucker. <laughs> so to see him again return to like to be the B-lister with a bunch of like A-listers again, that would be... Oh, I would watch the fuck out of that.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's a, he's an odd, odd person. There's a very, there is, if you're a fan of these old school eighties and nineties action movies, um, yeah, I'm trying to think Uh, it's spaced ice. I, uh, whoever you are on YouTube, I forget whatever you are. He, he covers every, every Van Damme movie and every Seagal movie, but he is unabashedly biased about how much he loves Van Damme. And so every Van Damme movie is the best movie ever made. And then every Steven Seagal movie, he is not the worst. Like he'll come up with the worst things. He's like, this Steven Seagal movie is so bad that it killed Santa Claus in front of your children. Like that's (laughs) that's (laughs) the level of hate that he has for these Seagal movies. And every single, and I, 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 if given the choice, I would choose Van Dam over Seagal. But um, I, I still don't think, you know, all of Van Dam's movies are the best movies ever made. But he is just so funny about, and he has no qualms about, like, just being completely biased. <laughs> um, I can't tell you the last time I watched, a, like, a recent Steven Seagal movie. I know he puts them out quite a bit, but. For the life really of that
2: film. making films, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, dude. And, and, and every <laughs> film
0: has more hair dye in it than the last one, <laughs> it's seeping out of the- Dude, yeah, <laughs> he's got, yeah. Like, what is that paint or that material that can't reflect like light? Oh, uh,
2: nano or phantom black,
0: yeah. His hair, his hair, and his beard are like phantom black now.
2: That's pretty cool, I uh, guess. Phantom,
0: but not not with phantom, a, with an, a, a V. Thank you, yeah, yeah, but
2: yeah, it's.
1: Yeah it's also he's also horribly out of shape so it's all body doubles for any of the action scenes and from what I've, uh, these sh- movies are shot like in eastern europe and yeah. um just kind of I, I i don't know what the audience i guess there's an audience for them there's an audience for everything i suppose but um oh, yeah. i think he's kind of like you ball i think he's
0: just got money behind him somehow
1: hmm. i and feel they, like and he- they're just
0: having a grand old time doing premieres for shitty movies and throwing parties and you know what i'm saying like it's that's 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 a fantasy I draw for his life.
2: I feel like uh, Steven Seagal and Time and Wiseau have like a very similar like like presentation of self. Like like they like they come across in a very yeah. They're not in way. reality. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. They're not they're not living in in the same uh, the same year that we are. I do well. I will say this about Uwe Ball though. I, his movies are atrocious. But I've heard that he owns a five-star Michelin restaurant in Canada. Yes. yes. That's Time what I heard. So, oh, no, no, no. You ball. You ball. Oh, <laughs> how like, oh. So he's got something going for him. And I can't say that for about Seagal. So I'll, I guess point to point to ball for that one. So
0: my biggest regret with with Wasau with, with is um, – he had a website where he was selling his own like merchandise, like his own brand, okay. his attempt to be a brand, mm. and it bombed. I mean, you could get like your tidy whities and everything with like a big W on it, but he had a sale.
1: What was it? so World,
0: I believe it. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think really? you're right. Yeah, That's so it, cool. it was very brief, and when it closed down, they had a sale and, and they had a package for like like 50 items for like 25 bucks wow. and i was i was smashing the buy button and it would just would not work i was so pissed oh no i would have loved yeah to have all this cheap ass tommy was
2: <laughs> you know what i mean i want the like double, a full I wardrobe the, i want the double belt that's what i want yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> i just wanted i wanted the tidy whiteies. that's not i wasn't gonna wear them i was just gonna put them like you know on the shelf. <laughs> Tidy
2: whities. not even like boxer briefs but just straight. i think that was in
0: there too like every, it was just really weird you know, like Slavic-inspired uh, bad branding. I don't know how else to put <laughs> it. That
1: sounds awesome. So, Chris, tell
0: us, tell us about yourself. I know that uh, you work in mental health. Is that fair to say, is that a, a um, fair, fair way to put it?
1: I used to. Uh, I, I don't now. Now, now I, I now I do all freelance writing um, and editing and podcasting. But, um, yeah, for oh, wow. my, my formal education was uh, – it took me – three times to find the major that uh, I started in music and then I wanted to be a cop. So I studied law enforcement and then I, uh, I settled on psychology. I took a couple psychology courses and I found them utterly fascinating. And I probably should have gotten the hint. My, my father's an actual psychiatrist. He went to medical school and, um, you know, so he's, a, he's a, a doctor and he knows all about the brain and, Um, I guess it runs in the family, so to speak. And, um, yeah, so my formal education is in psychology. And um, out of college, after I graduated, I worked uh, many a year in a community mental health center, um, which is um, kind of like the ideal situation for me uh, because... Uh, you know, a lot, the jobs in the mental health field are, um, very varied. I mean, you know, people that work in hospitals or group homes or this kind of thing. And, um, um, being in the community mental health field meant that, um, my job is to keep people out of the hospital, to keep people out of jail. Um, and just to kind of, um, just just work with people. That's kind of like what I like to do. I like people. People are fascinating um, to me. Um, and even the people that you think are the most boring people, everyone's got a story or stories mm-hmm. to tell. Um, and sometimes it just takes a little bit more prodding to get it out of them. But um, no community mental health meant working in the community. I mean, I had an office at, at a clinic, uh, but most of my appointments you know, if the person wasn't a safety risk, you know, I would meet them at their, uh, you know, go to the house or accompany them to doctor's appointments, accompany them to court. Um, uh, and unfortunately, as my, like, like I said, the, the, my my biggest thing was to keep people out of the hospital, but sometimes for their own good that, you know, I had to send people to the hospital. It's not something yeah. I like to do. Um. But, you know, it happens. Um, but uh, the most surprising thing to me, and as I, uh, after years of experience, I would be training, I would train the new caseworkers that were coming in. And uh, basically, what I would tell them is that, you know, anything that you read in a book in a university classroom is not going to prepare you for someone with severe mental illness. It's just, it's just not, you can read about the symptoms. You could read about the diagnosis. You could read the stories, but until you see it face to face, you know, you have no idea like Did
0: did working with all those people and, and, and getting a very sober look at humanity at that level, or just in general, let's say, did that break down any prejudices that you may have had before you, you started doing it?
1: no i was i was raised in a very um i was raised catholic i went to catholic school but i was always i was raised i i i lucked out in the uh the parental department i'll say that um we had um interracial uh friends growing up so like i would i and like the thing that I always tell people is like, you can't prejudice is not inherit inherited. Like you're taught pre- prejudice and you're taught hatred by mm-hmm. someone, or you see it in someone and that you look up to. So I've never really had that. Um, and I, I'm the oldest of, 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 three boys. And one of my brothers is gay, openly gay. So like, I never had the, the, uh, the homophobia thing going on. Um, but that being said, I recognize not so much in myself, but how much other people, when they hear the words, m- chronic mental illness, or they hear the words schizophrenia or bipolar, and they immediately have these kind of preconceived notions of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're usually quite negative. Um, and a lot of times, I think one of the, the biggest things that gets misconstrued is that, um, a person with mental illness is nine times more likely to be the victim of a crime than the perpetrator of the crime. And not to say that, you know, people with mental illness are, you know, innocent of anything but so often when especially when i see these things with like mass shootings or violence and people bring up the mental health issues Mm -hmm. um that that kind of that'll piss me off because do you see that as do you think of that
0: person let's say like a school shooter do you think of them as being a victim first before they became an attacker, an abuser, or, you know, became violent. Cause that in my mind, that's how it plays out. Like this person was hurt somehow first. That's how this started. They didn't, they didn't wake up one morning, generally speaking, I guess, and decide to be, you know, the incarnate of evil. Does that make sense to you?
1: No, it does. It totally does. Um, but to me, I mean, it's it, it would be a long answer. And what I can tell you from years of working with, um, Dozens of different people with different diagnoses and different problems and whatnot. It's so individualized, and I and that's another reason why I think when people just throw out mental illness as the cause of something mm. is very unfair. Because the major, like I said, the majority of people suffering from mental illness are, are going to be some of the kindest people you will meet, right? right. Far more likely, unfortunately, to hurt themselves than they are to hurt you, um, and it's so it's so individualized. And I think that throwing blanket terms around really can can hurt um, um, things. And it's oh, funny. Yeah. It, have either of you guys ever seen the show Shameless? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We have okay. a friend that works that works on it actually. Really. So yeah, I, I, right now. I just started watching that last week and I'm in season three mm. and there's the storyline. I'm not going to use the word. It's the R word in reference to someone with down syndrome. <laughs> and they're talking about t- reclaiming the word for themselves. And right. I just thought, wow, what a clever way to handle like a situation like that. Um, For the
0: person who suffers, you mean for them to just claim, take, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, yeah, you
1: know, just like you know, they said you know with the homosexuals with the the word queer and all that kind of stuff, um, and you know one of the most profound lines in an episode that I just saw a couple of days ago is one of the you know one of the developmentally disabled people saying like words only have power if we give them power, and um, oh,
2: that's so good,
1: yeah. (laughs) and um so that's why i think it's really dangerous when we have these horrific horrific events happen and the the, the like the easy go to answer is well this person clearly was mentally ill and maybe that's not the case you know they may have been undiagnosed but some people are just angry some people are just angry they're not yeah depression can take you a lot of
0: places yeah and i feel like we don't you guys feel like there's sort of like a hollywood mentality for like the description of mental illness like it's just synonymous with psychopathy like violence you know i
2: would definitely say like media wise for sure yeah like like, they just use it chris is saying um it's always You know, about violence is like, oh, this person was clearly, you know, mentally disturbed. It's like, so therefore, if you're mentally disturbed, you will become violent. And it just
0: it removes any what I hate about is that it, it seems to remove any desire to want to investigate to really know why someone would do something terrible
2: well i think it's more for to rationalize for yourself and for other people it's like like oh this happened because they were you know it gives a reason to it so it's not just yeah, it excuses it almost though well, yeah but that's i think that's like the the reason they're doing it is to make it easier to digest yeah
1: yeah it's one of those things it's like the, the headline will be mental illness but if you read the full article you'll get like the you need the full story like to to really get it and like um i'm sorry no marco I, I, i'm sorry your name because you, you just made a very interesting point zach zach. Mean, zach zach you you just you said you know it makes it very um like digestible for people it makes it okay it's like you know what we it, It's it's almost like the gov- people, the government, the media saying, like, we have this under control. It's okay. They, you know. This person was mentally ill. They went off their medication, and this, mm. this, this kind of stuff happens. And as much as I, I just said all this stuff about it not being easy to point the finger, I have seen people mostly with schizophrenia when they either go off their medication or the medication isn't as working when they need a change of medication i've seen what happens and it can get ugly it can get i've never had a violent altercation but i've had incidents where the police had to be called um i've you know look at me i'm pale white and uh, one of my clients called me the n word once um but <laughs> i don't it, and that's another thing with the mental health field is and working with um not only people with mental health issues but uh, a lot of my my clients were um co-occurring which means they also have substance abuse problems cuz it just so happened that the person the person whose job i took over for was um an LCDP, which is a licensed chemical dependency professional. So I inherited her caseload. Oh, and man. So oh, I I'm thought of that like taking up someone's <sighs> old job
0: in that field. <sighs> Holy like, cow.
2: Yeah, right? With no, yeah. no prior knowledge <clears throat> of everything that they've been going through and then you just come in you know, not blind, but you're going to feel a little uh,
0: uh, there's a lot to learn at yeah. least, yeah.
1: Yeah. And you'll get people it it, it, it happens so uh, it, it would happen often, more so often with with the girls uh that I worked with that um there would be unhealthy um preoccupations with some of the clients we'll put it that way
0: um
1: uh, but i've had that happen to me i had i had a a woman um i don't even i guess it would be like a reverse oedipus complex kind of thing going on where she very much saw me as like a son but also as a sexual object um needless to say that, she, you know, we weren't working together after all this came to light. But, you know, it's just, you know, it's just weird stuff. And and again, um, when you're dealing with health of any kind, whether it be mental or physical, it's so individualized. Um, And so you have to be able to, wow, you have to be able to wear a lot of hats in the mental health field. Because to some people, you're a counselor. To other people... Who are very high functioning and just to maintain, um, you know, just to maintain their benefits, um, it was through the state for insurance and for money for disability. They would have to, they would have to see a, a, a caseworker. So I would have clients that I would see once a month, clients that I would see twice a month. Then we'd have, then we'd go to the clients that you would see every day that we would have to sit there and watch them take their medication. Cause if we weren't there, they weren't going to take their medication. Yeah. So it's, it's, you wear a lot of hats, but I loved it because I wasn't cooped up in an office. I made my own schedule. I could go, you know, and just make sure as long as my treatment plans were done and people got to their appointments, you know, I got to really, it's a lot of flexibility. Um, and, you know, if you had a particularly difficult client, we'd have, cl- we, you know, you would, we'd, we'd, we'd have some some clients that I wouldn't trade for the world that I would just be like, you know, I wouldn't, because once I trained new people, you know, I would, my caseload would go up and then it would go down and there were certain clients that I would transfer to other people and there was certain clients that I would never even uh, the thought would never cross my mind of transferring to someone else because I worked so well with them. And then there was other clients that, you know, I'm not going to name names here, obviously, but I, I couldn't wait to get to somebody else. Just yeah. Mm,
0: what is it like please? working with other people in that field? I mean, when you're, when you're dealing with so many human problems in reality, like that, you start to look at your coworkers differently? How much interaction do you require from other People in the office, or
1: other doctors, and things like that. Oh, it's a a, sort of atmosphere. It's it's a very collaborative atmosphere. We actually had the clinic would have teams, and the teams would have a team leader, one or two doctors, two nurses, uh, a licensed therapist, um, substance abuse counselor, uh, occupational therapist. So there would be a lot of interacting with everything. And then like the first, the first hour of every day is a team meeting where, you know, you would go over the doctor's schedule because the, the, these poor doctors w- would be, would have hundreds of patients. So you got to kind of remind you, because some of them, some of the, some of the clients are very memorable because whatever reason they smell really bad, you know, or they just, well, because, because of their illness, they might exhibit some very, funny behaviors or say ridiculous, ridiculous things that, you know, clearly aren't true. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um,
1: and then they would have other ones that would um kind of fly under the radar. So you kind of have to remind the doctor and give them an update be like, so-and-so is doing well. They want to talk to you about this medication, that kind of stuff. So you have to be um, very organized and you just got to be very flexible because like I said, it's a team kind of thing and say somebody calls out. And so then the team leader would have to look at their schedule and then they'd have to prioritize. Like if you're taking someone, like if I had, you know, some, if I wanted an easy day, I would schedule like three people to go grocery shopping. Cause they would get like their EB, they get their food stamp, EBT card. So a lot of the clients would need rides to the grocery stores. Um, and that's what I would do. With, you know, bank. You know, schedule an hour, hour and a half to take people grocery shopping. But you know, if somebody calls out on the team and they have clients that need to get to court or they need to get to the hospital for procedure, that takes obviously takes precedence over taking some of the stop and shop. So, mm. you got to be flexible because uh, you would be covering for a lot of other people. You go, somebody goes on vacation, they got to, someone's got to cover their clients for everything. So, it is very much a team, team effort. Um, so you're never alone in the fight, which is good. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah. Um, but, there, but there then again,
2: help attack the same problem. Yeah. Yeah so um, when you when you encounter like extreme uh mental illness like uh, schizophrenia and things like that is there is there a healing like can you like not, uh, quote unquote fix this, this situation or is it just like you're just treating the symptom trying to get them to a state of normalcy or how does that how does that work
1: um again it's very personalized but we'll just go with a, an extreme well I, I would say the most extreme form of mental illness is um people that Are uh, acute schizophrenia, which means um, auditory. Most often it's just auditory hallucinations. Some of them would have visual hallucinations, and some of them would have olfactory hallucinations, which are smells. Yeah, just like and and that's the thing about these hallucinations. Like if you talk to like a druggy kind of person, like oh man, that's awesome hallucinations all day. No, <laughs> schizophrenia is not like that. The things, the things that are being the and this is terrible. This is why it's a horrible, horrible disease. Is that the things that these people are hearing? Ninety percent of the time are terrible, terrible things about themselves.
2: Yeah,
1: and they're hearing voices from people that they know. They'll be hearing voices of family members. If I worked with the client long enough, I wouldn't even have to ask. I would know that every once in a while they would be hearing my voice in their head and, and mm-hmm. God, God bless them for that. I could, if I had to hear my own voice in my head, I don't know what I would do, but um, like, I've got an issue. I hear my voice in my head all day long, but this, this gives me, me yeah,
0: some my, insight my, my, though. My mind
2: attacks me all the time. I couldn't imagine being <laughs> schizophrenic and then having like a, an entity with inside my mind attacking me as well. It's like, oh my gosh. Like yeah. be awful.
0: Well, there's a you, Have You ever heard of guy winch? no he's a a psychologist i found on youtube and uh he put he had a great story to like put it to framing what we're we're talking about is like uh you know a woman who had a long relationship she broke up so she finally gets back in the dating scene and she meets this wonderful guy and they date and have this wonderful love affair for six months and then um he plans a special dinner so she thinks he's gonna pop the question and instead he breaks up with her so again she's devastated now right her life is destroyed so she you know she starts listening to a friend and her friend starts telling her uh you know you're terrible of course she doesn't like you you know you're getting old you're you're fat you're you know all these things are are wrong about you um and that friend is her that you know that's the first person to attack us is ourselves So we just beat ourselves up and i often wonder like i obviously this is a very amateur and i don't know what else to call it but opinion of like the mind but i've always had the belief that we all suffer from dementia like none of it like we're all like just a little crazy yeah. or we are just crazy and we we edit it we we manage it like you know our our, our weird thoughts and our our weird impulses and maybe that's what we call normal does that make it's sense the
2: ability to edit and to filter
0: yeah like a yeah. normal that's what a normal person's ability really is is just to wow. ignore or edit the crazy that just enters our mind that the constant negative attack that we all seem Intrusive to have thoughts. on ourselves yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very strange
1: or just being like you know you overthink a casual encounter, like at someone at the oh, the Seven Eleven. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> like, you're walking yeah. out with your your gallon of milk, and you're just like, I did I like did I piss that person off for some reason? And it's just like your overactive imagination kind of going, but like, or you you overanalyze something, or people that have to plan out conversations before they have it. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, if you're oh, gonna. God, br- God, if you're God, gonna. Br- oh okay, gonna-
2: yeah, it's, I always yeah. Like, think about what I'm gonna say before.
1: Well, a comedian
0: said it well once. He's like, humans are weird. He's like, you ever do something awkward and then think about it for seven years?
1: <laughs> yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but, but going back to your question, unfortunately, someone with schizophrenia, the best that um, the best the the best that is, you know we can do is to find the right um, medication regimen keep them to it um hopefully find them you know a place to live outside of a group home like i said i have a comp- we, our our clinic had group homes but i never worked in the group homes um all my people were in the community so like you know there we want to we want to foster independent living despite yeah. the fact that you might have one at, you know at one period in history i mean if it's the history of the way mental illness has been treated that's just a whole no- we could have a whole talk about that with the yeah. asylums and um electroshock therapy and uh lobotomies like that kind of stuff you know it's crazy
0: we talked a little bit about that in a podcast <laughs> in the past but i even have an aunt who went through electroshock therapy in the 80s and it it, it it did damage to her. It, 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 it caused mental illness, if if that makes sense. Obviously, if you're electrocuting your brain, what do you think is going to happen? But um, yeah.
1: they still, they still, they still do ECT treatments. It's very rare now. It's like for very specific conditions, but it does work. Um, yeah,
2: for, for like uh, seizures and stuff, too, right. right?
1: For that's seizures the, yeah. and migraines, uh, it's not even so much mental illness. illness. It's like the physical part of the brain that's causing seizures and migraines. That's the kind of thing that the, that it's that that it's helpful yeah, for. for. It's not you can't zap these voices out of the head. That's just not <laughs> happening. And unfortunately, there's no cure for that. So the best we could do is get you on uh, one of the most. Uh, popular drugs that I, that, that, that treats schizophrenia is a drug called Invega, uh, which is, um, usually an injection and, it, but it's so good to see this, this progression go from clients that would have to get an injection every couple of weeks, then every month. And now it's every three months. So like, you don't have to keep. Yeah, because that's like the worst. You know, like who wants to yeah. get a shot every, you know, I, I'm I'm not, I, I don't have like a
2: Is it like in the base of the head or anything? Does it matter? I think
1: it's what? in the arm. Yeah. I don't like needles, which is odd for yeah. someone who works in the health yeah. community. Like, I won't even look when they're taking my blood. Oh,
2: I need to watch. Otherwise, it freaks me out if I'm not watching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked with a
0: nurse that didn't like the sight of blood. So, yeah, I don't think it's odd. I mean, people are people. It doesn't matter what you're doing
2: Once you find the right medication, does it ever stop working for that person and then you need to switch? Or do they build tolerances? How does that work?
1: You could build a tolerance for it. Or, um, unfortunately, it's just like any other illness. You know, you get a fever. You get the flu. Sometimes you get the flu. It's worse than others. And, like, sometimes, sometimes symptoms of their mental illness, they become more symptomatic. They'll become more manic or they'll be displaying more um, abstract thinking, um, just b- bizarre. They, they would make very bizarre claims. Um, like, and, and that's the thing when you're dealing with someone and that's the, thing, <laughs> this is what I learned. One of the things I had to ask my dad, I was like, when once you have a client or a patient, whatever you call them, who's clearly telling you something that you know is not true. Just because, like, it's based in fact. Like, I I had a client that swore he was half vampire and had metal legs. Even though I've seen his legs, they are not metal. Um, and I don't subscribe to the fact that we are living in a world of vampires. But it's like you do no help by disagreeing with them. It's just you're wasting your time you're going to yeah. frustrate them you're going to frustrate yourself you you use phrases like i believe that you believe this
0: so you're more like trying to lead them out rather than than uh, convince them
1: right and there are certain clients where i like <laughs> And I, I, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't do this, but sometimes I would bring out some of the, some of the, we- the, the, the like, especially when I'm training someone, like there are certain clients that I know that are, that are harmless. So I, I could kind of bring out some of the uh, quote unquote crazy. And I would know what the kind of questions to ask them mm-hmm. to bring out some bizarre stories about like how they're, you know, how, you know, they actually created Superman and like they want to sue. DC and all this kind of crazy oh, stuff. Like, I, yeah. I, I've heard all <laughs> these know, like
2: They made a Superman. I was like, that's right.
1: Good no, thing. I had I, writing. He was like, he was like, yeah, I created Superman and Swamp Thing. And so I was just out of the blue. I was just like, well, that's very interesting. Have you created any superheroes later, lately? And his answer to me without skipping a beat was Super B. And I was like, Oh, super B half man, half B like, you got it. Super B. So <laughs> if we do ever see a super B uh, I, I have a client in Rhode Island that uh, needs some, <laughs> you know some money for that. Uh, uh, he, he did come up with that. Yeah, it's um, called the bee movie. <laughs> I
0: wonder if, I mean, I, I would always be suspicious, even when I'm helping people at the times I have in my life. Right. I'm always a little suspicious about how clever they are. Do you ever feel like uh, Or detect or or have the inclination that some people were just playing you to see if you would keep lying to them to sort of test your um i don't know not your resolve but maybe your compassion to see because sometimes people do that i feel like they test they say crazy things just to test others compassion to see if they really care about them for example to see how far they're willing to go to listen to their their bullshit let's call
1: it not so much listen to their bullshit but to see Mm. what they could get away with like i had a uh chronic shoplifter and um most of the time if i take someone to the store and they ask me not to go in with them i'll respect their wishes because you know you know i dress it was an office job so i'm dressed in you know dress shirt Mm tucked in slacks and you know they're dressed in the it, it kind of looks kind of weird so sometimes they didn't like that i she was not allowed to go to any store that i if, if i'm taking you to the store i'm going with you because i know you will steal um god bless her i love she was one of my favorites she would uh she would ask me all the time chris it's christmas is coming up like what can i get you and i was like you First of all, it's not appropriate that you get me anything. Second of all, I know that anything that you do get me would be stolen goods. So just like... <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a trouble at all. I can get you whatever you want. But <laughs> just like...
2: Or, Plus, TV? Yeah, I can fit that. Why not? Or, the kind
1: of, or if they're in court with them and they would say, well, can, can you put a good word for me? And... I would say, listen. You and I both know our history together. You, I, if I'm ever, um, what do you call it? Uh, called him to testify or whatever. I have to tell the truth. I was like, do really like? It. I was like, I can't. I'm not going to lie for you. I like you as a person, and I want to see you get help. But I'm not going to also. I'm not going to lie in a court of law just so that you can get out of trouble for that kind of thing. So you got, the thing is you got to really establish, um, boundaries. Um, do right. not, you can't be, um, uh, like, uh, you can't be a, a placemat and, uh, because they're just going to, they walk all over you. Not a placemat. What am I thinking? A welcome mat. Welcome you you they can't well, they'll walk all over you, but you also can't be like, so stuck in the mud, um kind of person that you can't occasionally bend the rules and that kind of stuff and you know, it's it's really a give and take. And at the end of the day, um the people, and that's like they deserve the same they just because they're mentally ill doesn't mean that they don't deserve the same amount of respect that you and I deserve. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it's it's difficult.
0: Hey folks, that's the end of our first conversation with Chris D. from Cult Film Companion. Be sure to check out Cult Film Companion on Twitter. Also, don't forget that you can listen to your favorite podcasts, including Audio Pong, on any platform that you like. Find us on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for part two in the near future.